the more I have, the more I have to lose. And I think a lot of people feel that way. But what happens when you have a financial advisor, and this is why I'm so bullish on this industry, is when you have a financial advisor, it allows you to change that. It allows you to realize that the more you have, it isn't that you have more to lose. The more you have, you have more to love. You have more to enjoy. You have more to be, more blessings you can give, more people you can help, more, 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 more of the world you can impact. And so what I would tell new advisors coming in is to understand the impact that you can have on people's lives and help them see that. Your job isn't to figure out, you know, stock A better than stock B. Your job is to help them figure out how to live their best life. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Burt White, managing partner and chief strategy officer of Carson Group. Burt White is a prominent voice and advocate for the independent advisor. As managing partner and chief strategy officer at Carson Group, he helps steer the company's strategic focus as a member of Carson's executive board. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Burt augments and elevates the firm's opportunities for growth across corporate and investment strategies. He works with Carson's investment team to build and deliver an investment ecosystem that drives growth for the firm's 120-plus partners who collectively manage $20 billion in assets. Burt's excitement to redefine how our industry talks about wealth shines through and in his work. He believes adaptability is a superpower and is highly motivated to innovate, pioneer, and deliver forward-thinking industry thought leadership. Bert is passionate about making a meaningful impact in the lives of clients and advisors. Given that passion and his unique talent of storytelling, he is well-equipped to help advisors best serve the families they serve and introduce new ones. Carson Group founder and CEO Ron Carson, who we've had the pleasure of having on the show twice, episode number two and number 100, calls Burt a visionary in the industry who understands where the profession is and where it needs to go. Listen in for some great takeaways about Burt's vision for the future of Carson Group and the profession as a whole, not to mention some great tidbits for investors everywhere. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the distinct pleasure of having Burt White, managing partner and chief strategy officer of the Carson Group with us today. Thanks for joining us today, Burt. I am so excited. I can't even begin to believe it. I'm not sure I'm qualified for this level of show, but super excited I got invited. You are very qualified and it's our pleasure to have you. And listen, I, I know a lot about you and your background, and I'm sure some of our listeners do as well. But for those that don't, okay, can you share with our listeners a bit about who Burt White is and your path to Carson Group? Absolutely. Well, I have been in financial services for uh, about three decades. I know I look youthful and so young and vibrant, but the you reality- and me both. 
<laughs> but the reality <laughs> is I've been in this industry for about three decades and mostly in investments. I've been a chief investment officer really for about 20 years of the 30 years I've been doing this. But the last 10, I've been branching out to a lot more strategic executive and leadership assignments, running things like strategy, which is what I'm doing a lot of today, as well as a lot of other executive assignments. And here at Carson, I just have loved Ron forever. You know, I've been following Ron. He is a trendsetter. And there's not very many people that I like to refer to as pioneers, ones that sort of carve out a space in a world of sameness. And a lot of this industry is sameness. And there are a few people that really are pioneers. You're one of them. Gosh, I aspire to be one of them. But Ron Carson is definitely one of them. And and I love what he's doing. I love what his firm is. I love the way he's making a huge impact. I love what he talks about, what he stands for. And so uh, I retired from my last job and uh, I was super blessed. But my retirement lasted an all of two days (laughs) that I got excited to partner up with Ron and the Carson Group. Amazing. And listen, I think you are a pioneer. I mean, as far as storytellers go, you are the storyteller that I know in our profession. And I benefit from it. Our stakeholders benefit from it. And the families we serve, I think, benefit from it as well. So I thank you for pioneering that aspect. So you alluded to the factor, said it straight up, you retired. And then two days later, you're announcing or, or coming to Carson Group. Yeah. Why and what what was the motivation for you to come out of retirement that quickly? Can you even call it a retirement? You cannot. <laughs> no. But, you know, the truth of the matter was I did think that I was going to retire. I was going to take two or three years off and write a book and probably get on the speaking tour. I love to tell stories. And this industry has forgotten how to tell stories. The world's forgotten how to tell stories. And we used to sit on on the back porch in rocking chairs and tell stories to each other. We don't do that anymore. So that's what I wanted to do. But my family got rocked a little bit. My wife got diagnosed with cancer. And at the time, I thought my retirement was perfect. You know, I was going to retire. I was going to be able to help my wife through all of her cancer treatments and all the stuff that was to come. I just thought that was meant to be. But what's really interesting is how life throws you curveballs. And sometimes you're ready for a, a fastball down the middle and you get that sort of in the ear kind of curveball. My wife asked me, she's like, listen, I want you to make a deal. And the deal is that if something ever happened to her, Lord forbid, and she's doing well with her treatments, but, but Lord forbid, I'd want you to really focus on our kids. And I told her, of course. And then she said, well, because of that, I don't want you to take three years to wait to find out what's next. I want you to go chase it today. I want you to go out and make as much impact as you can today. I don't want you to wait three years and take some time off. I want you to go do it now. And I never saw that coming, but she's full of wisdom. And I think she knew that I had a lot more in the tank and a lot more I wanted to offer And I think she wanted to make sure that I had a chance to, without a doubt, do that, not knowing what the future had in store for us and our family. And so that's what I did. So my retirement was two days, and I now have a chance to be a part of an organization that is helping people find their freedom and helping people really make a a huge impact on the rest of their lives. And I couldn't be more excited to, to be where I am. Amazing. And I'm so glad and glad to hear that everything is good with your wife. We've talked about this before. I've experienced, uh, you know, through my own personal experiences, my mom battling cancer. So that's something that's important to me. We're actually recording this in Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October. So I'm very humbled that you shared that with me way back when. And I'm even more delighted that everything's going well. And I think behind every great 
person, there's usually a spouse that knows better than we do. So we're probably best to make sure that we follow what their advice and guidance is because it's usually better than what we give ourselves. So I'm happy that she gave you that advice and guidance and that you're here. I'm also happy and humbled that Ron kept your name for all those years, put you in his little, uh, you know, Rolodeck and dialed you up when the time was right. So uh, I'm glad it all worked out for the best and, and that you're here with us helping us as advisors, the other stakeholders, as well as the families we serve, because I think think helping people find their freedom is going to be extremely, extremely rewarding in has been and will continue to be in the future. No doubt. So, no doubt. Thank you. So you've talked recently about the RIA model and you've come from a background where it was kind of this dual relationship where they had RIA and brokerage. Why do you feel so deeply about the RIA model? Well, I think there's multiple answers to this one. The first answer is that when you really begin to put yourself on the same side of the table, which really is what becoming an RIA is all about, you know, really becoming that fiduciary that really becomes planning based, become, you know, putting the client first. And that's oftentimes said in this industry, but it's not done. <laughs> and, and I wish that wasn't the case, but the reality is that really the hallmark of the RIA format, you know, really is about that. The second thing is, Look, the bedrock of this country is small business owners. And what I love about the RIA market is that it allows this level of intimacy, this level of personalization that allows amazing financial advisors to be able to tap into the scale of bigger companies, but at the same time, be able to offer that personalized advice and experience and culture and community that it does for its clients. And that is not the case if you go to a lot of these big financial services companies. These big financial services companies are, that culture is set somewhere in, you know, I don't know, New York City in some penthouse, 250th floor or some big building. And it's not in the communities that advisors of RIA serve. And I just think it's so, it's so important. It is so important. Not only is the fact that small business is the bedrock of of the United States, but it's so important for us to begin to think about creating these communities because the world's missing them and so forth. So I love both aspects of it. I love the putting clients first, always uh, this business, every business, there's a lot of conflict there, but when you have the tenant that clients are always first. And then you add on top of that, this amazing small business personalized culture. It just is, I think, the very best model to deliver financial advice to families. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, looking at the value proposition that we put out there to the families we serve, I love talking to them in the framework of we have a national organization that we're a part of, but we're here to deliver the local presence, telling them that we're not just delivering what the mothership is telling us to deliver. We're able to work with you on an individualized basis under that umbrella, which I think is very, very powerful and empowering to those families for sure. 100%. Well said. Now, you discussed community and you also talked about storytelling and and kind of lost art of it. And I wish I knew how to reenact the first time I saw you live and on stage. (laughs) And your let's make it rain exercise was really so powerful. I think that that brings together both those points in terms of 
the community aspect because you needed everybody in that room working together and the storytelling aspect. Why do you feel the community is so critical to success? And I should also say, can you also explain how you've used this exercise to demonstrate that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to tell you, way back when I was in high school, and man, that was you know a long time ago. Woo, it's a long time ago. It's not that. Yeah, long ago. brother, it was a long time ago. Uh, thirty-five, <laughs> thirty-six years ago, there was a, a group that we get together and kind of keep us out of trouble, and it was called Young Life. And I remember an exercise we did. There's probably a hundred of us together in somebody's basement. And it was about making it rain. And basically, you divide into three groups. One group sort of rubs their hands together. The other group snaps their fingers. And the third group pounds up their thighs. And I know that sounds weird, but if you sort of did all three of those, when you do it in unison, the sound sounds like rain. Yeah, you know, it's pretty cool. Particularly the finger, the snapping kind of sounds like rain on a tin roof and uh, so on and so on. But the point of it is that each one of those sounds individually don't mean anything. But man, when we all do it together and we all do it in harmony, it makes magic. And it is a magic trick. And I do think that there is magic in community. There's magic in diversity. All of these things are what really brings, in my mind, fullness to life. And community could be our family. Community could be our, you know, our, where we live, you know, where we worship where we shop, and then also where we get inspired. And one of the things that I really love, again, about this, what's happening within these communities of financial services is that we have a chance to inspire each other. That's what this podcast is about. That's what you do a lot is to do that. And there's nothing more important than that. And, And I'll tell you, technology is a powerful thing and it's a wonderful thing. But one of the things it's allowing us to do is to actually reduce our communities. It's allowing us to go and say, you know what? I don't believe the same way that they believe. And so therefore, I'm just not going to listen to them. And I'm going to tune them out. And I'm not going to follow these people. I'm not going to follow those people. And I don't care about that. What happens is we become more and more inward. And one of the great parts about communities is that you don't have to believe Everyone, everything that everyone believes There's a lot of crazy stuff out there. But the reality is we can strengthen ourselves by, you know, seeing people that don't believe what we do, don't look the way we look, uh, they have different backgrounds, because oftentimes we have very similar hopes and dreams and we can create really interesting things. I just think it's so powerful the way that communities can come back. Last thing on this, look, this world's as divided as it has ever been. Left versus right, Republicans versus Democrats, North versus South, and, you know, Lord knows what, U.S. versus non-U.S. There's a lot of it out there. And I do think that one of the things that's missing is for us to come together and put our differences aside and listen to each other and understand we have very similar hopes and dreams. And that's one of the things I love about what you're doing and what many financial advisors are doing around the country is they're helping to, to form communities that are talking about not about just problems, but talking about blessings and what's fortunate and about our dreams and about our hopes and how we can inspire each other. And man, we need a lot of that in today's world. All the stuff that's not on the nightly news. (laughs) I was watching, my wife was watching the nightly news last night and I heard like three stories, one after another, it was more miserable than the next. I'm like, why do you have this on? She's like, I'm waiting for the weather. I'm like, well, can we just figure out when that's on and and change it? I'm like, hopefully the weather's got better news than what we just heard thus far. But yeah, listen, communities are very important. One of our core values here at Midland is we talk about client equals team, equals family. 
you know, we're all in this together. We're all one big family. We want you. And that's why we are very mindful about who we let in and families that we work with because we're very protective of that culture. You know, we want to protect that with a 20 foot high wall so that others from the outside who don't, you know, deserve to get in, don't get in. And we keep that culture and what our families that we work with deserve, you know, sacrosanct to them. So how do you feel technology will help advisors in the future improve service and planning to the families we serve? Because that's been a big driver. Ron talks about it a lot. What's your view on that? Look, one of the things that I say a lot is that it's not about great technology. It's about technology that makes you great. You know, I think that oftentimes we try to always talk about building great technology and, and there's all kinds of cool gadgets and drones and driverless cars and stuff flying around outer space and all kinds of other things. But the best part of technology is not that it's great. It's that it helps make us great. So that we can inspire more people because so that we can reach people in a more impactful way and a bunch of all the other things. And so I think that one of the things that's really happening is that technology is beginning to get away from being products. It's getting away from being gadgets. And now what's happening is technology is beginning to change the way we serve each other, the way we connect with each other, the way we inspire each other. You know, as example, Great service isn't good enough anymore. You got to now have convenience. You know, it's got to be 24 hours a day, personalized, you know, whenever I want it, anytime, anywhere, it knows me. Welcome to my world, you know, population one, it's Burt White, right? Right. And increasingly, it's got to reflect my values more and more. And it's got to create that holistic experience. And I think one of the things that if you think about the progression of financial advice, you go back 20 years ago. Financial advisors largely were around helping you achieve financial outcomes. And now what's that's becoming is through financial outcomes, financial advisors are helping you live a better life. And it's been so elevated. You know, it's not just around Nobel Prize winning pie charts and planning, but it really is around the confidence, but also all that it takes to help you live a better life. And this has all been enabled by technology. Technology is allowing financial advisors to do better planning, more holistic planning, to touch more clients and inspire them and drive to things like wellness and healthy lifestyles and social and values impact and legacy and family planning and career advice and all the other stuff that comes with that. So at the end of the day, the magic is not about the tech. It's about what it enables humans to do. It's going to transform every single industry, but it's transforming financial services in a way, maybe like none other, that's going to allow us to move a lot more from just delivering great financial outcomes to really helping households and families live their very best lives. And if that doesn't get you inspired and excited and proud to be in this industry, I don't know what does. I agree. I think that we're seeing that, you know, starting to unfold. It's definitely in the early stages. And I think it's only going to get better as, as time goes on. If you had your ability to create a technology that could make advisors unbelievably great, in your view, what would that one piece of technology be that could do that? 
I, it'd probably be a magic lamp. He wishes <laughs> for all people. I, you know, I, you know, I will say this. The need for financial advice is growing dramatically and more and more people need it. But a lot of households feel like they can't get it. What I would love to see is where we have an ability to serve every household in America, whether you have $22 or whether you have $22 million. Every household in America can get the financial advice and the wellness advice to be able to think about living their most free and best life. And right now, that's not available to everyone. And I think what technology is going to allow us to do is to scale financial advisors in a way that allows them to touch more families and more households. But there's a lot to be done. As you said, I think technology in financial services has lagged that of retail, of e-commerce. Just look at Netflix and look at Instagram and all that. Look at the experiences there. And that's very different than the experiences that is happening within financial services in general. And so we've got a long way to go to begin to move some of those types of experiences for clients. But we're making those progress. And 10 years from now, I think you're going to not even be able to recognize the amazing experiences and conveniences that financial services are going to offer and allow financial advisors to touch more families than ever before. You know, listen, I think that because the RIA model is fairly new, you know, it's not definitely not as long tested as the brokerage model. And I think the brokerage model kind of built this wall around themselves that they didn't want technology because they wanted the advisor to kind of be the center of that relationship and be able to deliver everything. But there's a lot of constraints on that. And I think now, you know, going back to your comment about the RA model and all the positives, I think one of the other positives are we're driving a lot of this technology boon because we understand that in order to be in here long tested and work with families for a long time, it can't just be relying upon us. We have to meet the family where they are, like you said, and give them these platforms to help make us even greater and help them fulfill their goals. And I think Carson Group and Ron is at the center of all of this. And we'll probably, when you talk about 10 years out from now, we'll probably be leading that charge and in the front of the pack rather than behind the pack, which, you know, we're proud to be here and and part of that. Technology is great as we talked, and it's definitely going to be a bigger help in the future. But I've also heard you talk about the new currency being human. Can you share with our listeners what you mean by that and how it will benefit them? Yeah, I think that the new currency is people. It is human. Let me give you a story. You think about airlines. What airlines used to do is they used to track number of flights, number of miles flown, amount of gas used in flights. That's the wrong metric. It's how many honeymoons did they help take people to? How many last respects did they enable? How many family reunions did they create? How many grandparents got to see their grandkids, you know, on the day that they were brought home? And those are the metrics that matter. Those are people metrics and right. not corporate metrics. And I think what's happening in every industry, I don't care what industry you're in, what's being measured is the metrics around people. Successful businesses are surrounded and created by the people, the clients we serve, the people that work at our organizations and our stakeholders, the communities that we support and are lucky enough to live in and so forth. And so therefore, the way I look at it 
is that a lot of companies are focused on things like growth and profits and all that stuff. That's a byproduct. What we should be focused on is people, all the metrics of people. And if we really measured that that way, then we go something different. So take our industry. Our industry is always the very first questions people ask is, so how many clients do you have? Or what is your assets under management? Or, you know, how much, how much money do you manage? You know, all those metrics of growth. But what we don't ask is the stuff that matters. You know, like, like, man, like how many people got to retire this year? You know, that you've been working with for the last decade right. or two. And how many grandkids and kids went to college and all the dreams around the world trips. And, and that's what matters. And so what I love and maybe what I'm more excited about than ever in my industry at working at Carson is when we get together every week as a group, as a team, the very first thing we talk about is the number of households we get to serve. It's about the people. And I think that that's redefining and changing all industries out there, including ours. Have you read the uh, the book Power of Moments? I have not. Oh, you should. So my whole team and I, we all read it together. And it talks uh, very succinctly about what you're discussing, about creating moments in people's lives, that there are about 13 or 14 moments in every person's life that are powerful. One of the things that they talk about, just to pick on them for a second, because it's in my head, is, for example, banks. Why don't banks, when you pay off your mortgage, they should send out a gift box. Hey, congratulations on paying off your mortgage. Instead of doing that, they send you a bill for retitling the deed exactly. to remove the mortgage, exactly. right? Or you have a child who now hits driving age and now they have working papers. That should be a powerful moment. And it's just like a blip on the radar. Yeah. So, you know, it, it talks about these moments in people's lives and it's very relevant to us. It has us now rethinking about how we're going to celebrate these moments in the families that we serve their lives, how we're going to acknowledge and celebrate them in a better way. Because I, I think you're right. I think that's more powerful than any of those other metrics that you mentioned before. Absolutely. And I'm hoping one of those 13 is the first time you win your fantasy football league. We could add that to the list, but <laughs> no, uh, yeah, there is there's a, a trophy company. They were on Shark Tank. They got a deal for, exactly. for the trophies. That's specifically for the, uh, the fantasy football. Exactly. League. No, I, I wish, I wish you luck though. I appreciate it. So I'm an average investor listening to this. What do you wish the average investor knew that they may not know today? Yeah. I think particularly now in a period of time when there's lots of volatility, I wish that I could spend more and more time having dialogues with, with individual investors and be able to, to do that. I, you know, I posed a question uh, to my team that if you could subliminally talk to every single person in the entire world, what would you say to them? Now, I probably wouldn't give them financial advice. I'd probably say something else. But if I could give them financial advice, particularly right now, I might say something like this. The first thing I'd say is that everything nice has a price. And volatility is no fun to go through. And we're going through volatility right now. But I like to think of volatility somewhat like a toll. We have to pay a toll with volatility, which is terrible. Which hate, I hate paying the toll. <laughs> but for the benefit of that toll, we get to go on the road that gives us 30% returns like it did last year in the market. And it gives us you know, 10, 12% low double digit returns like it has over the history for stocks. And I think what a lot of people miss is that sometimes you need to go through those things. The other thing that I would say is that in investing, 
it's almost unlike any other part of our life. Generally, the more you do, the better you do. The more you study, the better I do on tests. Uh, the, the more I work, the better I do on my job. And the more I practice, the better I get. Mm-hmm. In investing, it's exactly the opposite. What you want to do is to have a tremendous plan and then stick to it. And what happens is we always want to sort of tinker with it all the time. But it's a little counterintuitive. It's completely right? counterintuitive. It's our, it's <laughs> our, and so the number one thing we need to do is to make sure we have a good plan and that we believe it and stay with it. And the last thing that I would just say is that Markets are built to recover and go up, but we are built to not trust it. That is the big thing. We're just built not to trust it that way. But if you think about it, you know, the market was at all time highs at the beginning of this year, which tells you that every recession, every bear market, every bad event, every war, every assassination, every everything that has ever happened bad in the United States was overcome. And the market was at all time highs. It is built to recover. It is built to go up and it just takes patience and it will be that again. We will be at all time highs again. I don't know when could be next month, could be next year, could be two years from now. I don't know when, but I do know that it will be again because it always has been and always will be. It is built to go up. The problem is we're built to not trust it. That's great advice. I think going back to your, your wish with technology and being able to serve $22 to 22 million to 220 million. That would be unbelievably generous if we were able to do that. And it was so helpful. And for those that are not invested, I think this presents a great opportunity to get started because it may present something that they don't see for the foreseeable future. Who, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? So let's flip flop. We talked about investors. Let's talk about advisors. What advice do you have for advisors who may be entering our profession? What would you tell your younger self? I would say two things. One would be as it relates to sort of being an advisor, and one would just be advice to my younger self. So let me start with the advice part. Look, there's never been a more impactful and exciting time to enter our industry and to be a financial advisor to help people through it. The world is as complex and as difficult and it's scary, and it's divided, and it's confusing as it's ever been. It just is. Our tax code is something like two billion words. Something. Like, you know, like, we can't figure that thing out. <laughs> and the world is tough and scary. We work so hard for all of our assets, and we work so hard for our money, and we work so hard in the businesses that we run and our careers. And one of the things that I've held on to, and I've struggled with a bit here you know, with some of the the medical stuff in, in my family's life is that what hit me one time was that the more I have, the more I have to lose. And I think a lot of people feel that way. But what happens when you have a financial advisor, and this is why I'm so bullish on this industry, is when you have a financial advisor, it allows you to change that. It allows you to realize that the more you have, it isn't that you have more to lose. The more you have, you you have more to love. You have more to enjoy. You have more to be, you know, more blessings you can give, more people you can help, more, 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 more of the world you can impact. And so what I would tell new advisors coming in is to understand the impact that you can have on people's lives and help them see that your job isn't to figure out, you know, stock A better than stock B. Your job is to help them figure out how to live their best life, to be confident about that. 
so that they can no longer feel like the more they have, the more they have to lose, but rather the more they have to love and to impact. Right. Yeah. And then for myself, and I think we all suffer with this one. The advice I would get is this, is that time isn't to be spent. It's to be invested. Uh, a long time ago, someone told me this story, and I wish I remember who told it to me the first time. It's really impactful to me. And what they said was, would you change bank accounts with Warren Buffett? Now, I checked my bank account. I'm a little short of $100 billion he's gotten his. And so I was like, yeah. And then the person told me, well, there's a catch. You got to also switch age. And he's 97, and I'm 53. Right. There's no money in the world that I would give up 40 years of my life for. Even though that hundred billion is 2 billion a year and I ain't going to earn 2 billion a year. And ain't nobody in this call going to earn 2 billion a year. Right. Time is to be spent. And I guarantee you Buffett would give all that up for my 40 years. And we all would. And so, you know, my point is this, I now try to commute home. I try to now drive as best I can, 10 miles under the speed limit. I'm that guy. I try to have no music on and I try to just look. I got to tell you, it's a beautiful world out there. If you take a notice, your neighbor just got a new car. Your other neighbor's doing a re remodel. There's lots of flowers that you never notice. Like last part on this one, we're in such a rush to get to the next thing. I, I like to say we live in our could be world. We're examining the stuff that could have been different in our past and what could be in the future. And we're never in the present. And I would just tell myself that the present is really where beauty exists. And I love that one article. I've, I've shown it a lot. This one page in Winnie the Pooh where Pooh asks Piglet, he says, what day is it? And Piglet says, it's today. And then Pooh says, that's my favorite day. Hmm. That's what I would hope. I would hope that today would be everyone's favorite day. Amazing. You know? Thank you for sharing that. And I'll share with you. And I don't know if you're even aware of this, but our listeners, some of them are, some of them aren't. The reason why I'm in this profession is when my mom was sick, going through her treatments, et cetera, I saw my dad struggling, struggling to take care of everything he needed to worry about, taking care of us, kids, the family, working, the bills that were coming in, in terms of my mom's treatment and whatnot. And he did not have a financial advisor. He didn't have somebody to work with. Mm -hmm. To this day, I talk about the fact that that would never have mitigated anything that happened with my mom. Her situation would have been her situation. But what it could have done is alleviated him of some of those things that he had to worry about and could have leaned on that advisor to help him through that, get advice and guidance, and maybe free up some additional time so he didn't feel as stressed and give him some of that freedom back. And that's why I'm here, because hopefully we don't have a lot of families that go through that similar strife, but it doesn't have to being there for those families during tough times. We are there, but we also want to be there for the good things, right. to be there to help them with the birth of the child or grandchild or retirement, whatever those are, and free them up and give them that time back, like you mentioned in your story with Warren Buffett, which I, I think is a great one and I'll probably steal. So we should probably figure out who said yeah, that should. so we can continue giving them credit. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, find your freedom is, you know, new Carson Group value proposition. And we, we've been talking about it a lot here. And I think the greatest thing about that is that it can mean very different things to different people. And it really should. You know, my freedom shouldn't be the same as yours. They might be some similarities, but I think it should be very personal and different. What does find your freedom mean to you? I love this. You know, look, to me, 
the highest of levels. It's removing the shackles that allows you to live an authentic, rich life. <laughs> the very best part of life is just how rich it is. To your point, we got to go through some yucky stuff sometimes to get the amazing stuff. That's what makes life so great. And so it is that fertilizer where happiness grows and where gratefulness lives. So finding your freedom has changed for me. And with four daughters that are now beginning to branch out and view their life, for me, finding my freedom is being there present for them, watching them thrive, being there to help guide them and love them. But maybe most importantly, to help them understand that the grass isn't greener on the other side, it's greener where you water it, where you take care of it. And that's what freedom is for me. Freedom for me is to have the very greenest grass under my feet that I possibly can because I'm present enough to be able to take care of it and to water it and to nurture it and to love it. And that's what my goal is. I measure how green my grass is under my feet. I'm the luckiest man on the planet. That's what I I hope to continue to strive for in my family. And I pray that for everyone that's listening and all my friends and everyone out there, I hope you find the greenest of all grasses and that's what's under your feet. Uh, Listen, that's great stuff. And, you know, as somebody who now has a 16 and 19 year old, I can't believe it, but it it goes by like that. And there are certainly a lot of people out there that think, you know, my wife and I are crazy because (laughs) just about every weekend from September to March, we're in a different place. We're with one son, you know, watching him and his games, whether it be on the East Coast or we're on the West Coast visiting my other son who lives out in Minnesota. But to us, they're only this age for a year. And for not very long, it goes very quickly, as you know, and we want to be there to experience and be there for them during those moments and beyond the green grass, as, as you say. So listen, it's been a pleasure having you on our show when we ask every guest the same last question. So we're not going to do anything different here. And what we want to know is because we're all about joy, because we want joy in everybody's life. What did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? I love this question. I love you ask everybody this. It's just, it is inspiration. I love it too. It's so good. It's inspiring to me. Well, ever since I was a kid, I have been journaling every single day. I journal as soon as I wake up and I journal the last thing I do before I go to bed. It used to be, grew up in a pretty religious household. It used to be a prayer journal. What's evolved now to is a blessings journal, a gratefulness journal. I write every single morning and every night what I am grateful for, what my blessings are. And I got to tell you what it does is it changes my mindset because I know tonight I'm going to have to write something down. I'm going to grab a pencil and I'm going to want something to be great. And so all day long, I'm looking for it. I'm looking for the things that make me grateful. It might be that hug I got from a friend or the phone call I got from someone I hadn't heard in a while or the fact that I got to see the most amazing butterfly on a, on a flower today or whatever it was, you know. And I think it opens my eyes a little bit. And so I I journal and that sets me going. And at the end of the day, allows me to um, thank my many blessings and how fortunate I am and, and just how rich life really is. That is great stuff. I would have to argue you made journaling cool before journaling was cool. You know, that seems like a newer phenomenon. Uh, You know, somebody who's done it that long, I have not met that many people who've been journaling for that long period of time. And I can only imagine what it's like looking back at some of those old writings today and really having an idea of what your younger self was all about. That's probably very interesting. It's a great gift. And telling at the same time. Yeah, Yeah. great gift. Amazing. Well, listen, Bert, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And we're going to have all your information in the show notes. But if people want to 
learn more about you, connect with you, what's the best and easiest place for them to do that? Yeah, best thing to do is email me at bertwhite at carsongroup.com and look forward to meeting many of you. And my friend, thank you for all that you do to inspire so many people. You are a blessing to this world. Thanks, Bert. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you being on the show and taking out the time and sharing a few stories with us and, and our listeners and make it a great day. I want to thank Bert White for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Bert truly has a passion for elevating the wealth management profession, and you could tell by the excitement in his voice. He exudes positivity for the future. Bert is someone that I'm happy to call a friend and grateful to have him as part of our team and working to help us serve our families better every day. Bert and Carson Group can be found across most social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.